Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. My name is Ash, and in today's episode, we will be talking about five things all dental entrepreneurs should know. Here with us in the studio, we have our regulars, Robert. Hello. Lynn. Hello. And a special guest, Joe McGregor. Hello. Hi, Joe. So Joe's an attorney at law here who specializes in dental law and has been helping his clients nationally for over seven years. He's also a co-founder of his practice, McGregor and Oblot PLLC, and he also hosts his own podcast, Jaw Law, available on Apple Podcasts. It's pretty good. You should check it out. Yeah, it is. In fact, you know what? I actually have a couple of favorite episodes on there. Um, one is called Local versus Dental Specific Vendors. Yeah. And then the other one, Dental CPAs. Oh, I wonder why you like that one. <laughs> he was drawn to that one. Oh, yes. I was automatically. I saw that. I'm like, oh, did he mention us? <laughs> Super. Well, welcome, Joe. Glad well, thank to have you, you today. Uh, happy to be sure. here. Thank you so much. Good. So how did you come up with the topics we're talking about today, the five things that dental entrepreneurs should know? Because my, my first impression when I read that was they only need to know five things. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, you know, when you can reduce these down to themes, right? Like inside these five things are each of them are packed with 50 things, mm-hmm. like 50 mistakes that, that people make. And so I thought about, you know, what, what are some, some themes that we can reduce things down when people start, or dentists specifically, start embarking on, on the business path? So that's, that's where, and, and I think there's some, like as we'll talk, I think there's some overlap on, on some of this. But, sure. But, uh, but that's the best I could do. Like, hey, I think these are the things that, that people consistently be, things that affect virtually everybody or, or everyone succumbs to. So, Well, give us one of the topics you want to start with. So I think the first thing that I have is that, you know, it's never too early to start asking questions. I think the thing that we consistently run into, whether somebody is buying a practice or, or doing a startup, whatever they're doing, there are so, there's just so much to do and no one knows all of the things you're supposed to do. We will get clients who are really well-informed. Maybe they attended seminars, they did a ton of online research or whatever, and they've outlined, hey, these are the steps I need to do. First of all, the things that they've identified, they take longer than, than they think, like get an attorney. That That's not just one, oh, it can be one phone call. If you call the right attorney. If you call the right guy, <laughs> the right, right attorney. But that that may be you know, placing a call on a Tuesday and that attorney not calling you back to the next Wednesday or worse, or you want to talk to five different attorneys or whatever. Those things on your list take way longer than 
than you think. And then your list is probably only like half of the things you're supposed to do. And and I think that the kind of the point here is is it's never too early to start asking because there's just work that has to be done. And the only way you you power through it is starting on it and starting early so that you're not in a position where you have to make decisions that you're you're in a compromised situation and, and you're pressed for time and, and you don't really get time to think about it or to shop around. I think as an example, one of the things that we come across pretty often is in the startup situation where people are doing leases and it, because they've never done this before, they don't realize that often right when you sign that lease, your clock starts ticking. Right. And they've never called a contractor before. They have no idea. Or maybe they heard of some people, but they that's not lined up. You want to be in a place where you've already sent out your plans. You've already interviewed contractors. You already know what you want to do. You have a good idea of what it's going to cost. And, and it's difficult because, you know, you need the plans and, and, and things like that. But when you sign that lease and you get those keys, you want to hit the ground running. Right. You don't want to waste the next 60 days figuring it out. And you, you need have to pull have the trigger. financing in place too. Right. right. You know, ready to go. Because right. when they sign the lease, they've got to give a deposit and, mm-hmm. and the first month's rent. And yeah. a lot of times that's the first time they think about getting a loan. Yeah, that's right. And and that's and I think that one mistake that people made is make is that they're fairly sequential about this. Let me get my lease and then I will get my contractor. Very good and point. Then, you know, but that's not how this works. No. You you the analogy I always use is like at least when I was a kid, I saw the the plate spinning. Uh, yes, routine. that's a, an like, excellent analogy. Yeah, you you gotta get as many of those plates spinning as possible, and you gotta pay attention so that none of them fall. But you can't wait. You just can't. There's not enough time to even when you think there's a ton of time, there's not enough time to wait on on. You just gotta work on everything all at once. I think every startup I've seen ultimately runs short of time. Yeah. I don't care how much time they have or had. Yeah. They always get pressed at the end. Yeah. Nobody call. Well, people would never call about this anyway. But nobody calls me and says, Joe, guess what? I've got like bonus 15 days. What do I do with it? <laughs> I know. Like, no, they're, they're, I mean, on the way here, I got an email with a client who's like way behind. Probably problems of our own making. and But, but even if they weren't, I mean, this is – that's – the norm. Most people are running out of out of time, and I would dare say that most of the times, those are are things that either could be eliminated or at least mitigated if they start asking questions sooner. That's an excellent starting point. Well, on your and, five. And, and I guess the logical question is, when do they start asking questions? I mean, how far before they actually, how far ahead of them actually planning the project should they start asking questions? So. I think the answer to that is is basically answering a different question, which is uh, what I seem to see is a lot of people make a decision. This is what I want, and this is what I this is when I want it. And I think is so long as we are in that mode, then the answer to that question would be, well, just the moment you conceive that idea, you better get better get going. I wonder if people would be better off maybe saying, let me let me line some stuff up and be fluid, be flexible with when these things are going to actually happen so that I'm not pushed into a decision before I'm ready for it. Because I see I see a lot of that where people make decisions when they're scared. Like this practice is not the real practice that I want, but I'm, I'm, I might not get another one. I'm just going to 
just going to buy it or this this space is not the right space, but I, I'll take it because there might not be another one or just just whatever. I I wonder if people maybe, maybe the answer is really you should be flexible and and start doing as much as you can so that you're prepared when. Yeah, there are times when that opportunity is right in front of you and it's now or never. But you should be ready uh, for that. And the only way you can get ready is the moment you think of that idea. Start start doing some homework. Yeah, I think a lot of times uh, people make those decisions out of fear yeah. uh, or uh, concern that that or they're settling, you know, on something that they, they don't really want. So if someone typically gets out of uh, dental school and gets licensed and then they uh, start working as an associate somewhere, when do they start thinking about that practice and, and how should they plan? So my experience in this is obviously just anecdotal conversations with with clients, but my experience is that most clients know, even in dental school, that ownership is something they're interested in. They may change their mind. They may, they become more certain that ownership is not just a possibility; it's it's an actual goal. Or they may say, "There's no way I want to own a dental practice." But by and large, everyone that I talk to knew already that they wanted to own a practice at some point. So what that tells me is that you know that you're not going to graduate, but you know, 99.9% .9 of these graduates are not going to get into practice ownership the day they graduate. So they know they're going to go to an associateship where they're going to have time to you know, attend seminars, listen to podcasts, read articles, talk to friends, you know, these... And, and, you know, and also observe the practice that they're at in, in, in Hopefully. Try, yeah, try try to understand what's working there, what's not working. Why is it working? Why is it not working? But I mean, I think the answer is the moment you step into the real world, there's a lot to consume that you that can start educating someone in in moving towards practice ownership. Okay, and then where do they get their advice? You know, a lot of times. Oh, so so in this one, you know, one of my other—it's almost a complaint, right? <laughs> is is we we see so many people. Well, I'll just say I think the internet's a wonderful resource, and I think that it's useful to ask your peers think, you know, their war stories. But one of my, I mean, I guess frustrations, I'll just say that. That's a good word. Yeah, is, is that an over-reliance on what you read from your peers. When we see people start to embark on the whole, the, the whole process, they're, they're going to go to their friends and they're going to say, you know, there's, there's some, I'm even part of some of these Facebook groups. So I get, to, I get to watch these questions happen. And people give some pretty ridiculous answers. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope that I hope that person that, be, that person has no way to, to know that that's not a, a great answer. And some people give great advice. Like, like, I'm not saying that there's not great advice out there. I think that what people have to remember is that when you get advice online from your peers, that I think, number one, People are asking very limited questions, limited in scope. As an example, if I'm doing a lease, hey, how much free rent did you guys get? Right. And then people will say, oh, you should have at least got six months. Right. Well, does that mean your broker's a horrible broker because you only got three? 
And, and you're asking a very limited question when the reality is the answer is very connected to other things that you've not asked them, right? So what kind of the, the, the person who got six months may have gotten a horrible rental rate. Right. And, or no or finish out. Finish out no, right, right, right. Well, we see that all the finish out is a great example. Right. We're like, how much are you guys getting for TI? I've got $45, but I'm paying through the nose. <laughs> Nobody says that. Right. And, and I think people have to be – and if you haven't been through this, then you don't know. And I think the other side of this is that when when you ask a peer, you have to know this is like that one time they did this. They went through this. Mm-hmm. This is their one lease, or maybe they have two offices or three offices. Whatever. The most experienced people that hang out on these forums, they've got one office or maybe two or three. Right. And your broker probably has negotiated 40 leases that year. Yeah, at least. Yeah, at least. And so I think people have to remember that. Like, there's just so much more. You have to be careful. You have to put it, it's, it yes, ask questions, collect information. That's what you should be doing. I think that's part of the ask questions early, right? You go to the internet and, and ask your peers, but put it into its context. We make, have make that. Sense of it. We battle that all the time. My my peer only paid this much in tax. Why am I paying this much in tax? Yeah. Well, he only has one practice and you've got five. So, right. yeah, you're going to pay a little bit more. There's right. there's a whole lot of factors that go into it when you ask this one tiny question. Right. And, I mean, did you collect? Did you, did you take a peek at his tax return? Yeah, and some sometimes the the com, the complaints I'm like okay. well, and the answers yeah. aren't always even real. Oh, yeah. he said he only paid ten dollars. Well, that was his balance too, but he actually <laughs> paid a lot during the year. That's right. a different thing. So that's one of my other things is people only share their successes yeah, online, and exactly. I, I think you have to be super careful as an attorney. Sometimes I'm. You know, I love my clients, and and that means sometimes I'm I'm friends on social media or. Maybe I'm not friends, but I, I've, I've seen social media or whatever, and people share, you know, again, to the Facebook groups, you, people share things and it, it conveys this sense of they only share the good stuff. And, and I think that the negativity or the negative aspect of that is that when something frustrating happens to you or something not as cool, then, then you start blaming, whether it's you're blaming yourself or you're blaming your your advisors or, or, or something like, why am I failing? Well, they might actually be failing. I, I'm aware of some of these. <laughs> I, and this wasn't a client, so I can talk a little bit more freely, but the, I'm aware of an internationally renowned speaker who's a dentist. And one of his topics is like practice efficiency, going through a bankruptcy, like <laughs> because induced by a failed practice. Right. And, yeah. and so Nobody goes to the internet and says, hey, guys, I just want you guys to know that I delayed my construction by six months. Just FYI. You know, nobody does that. Right. They're, they're only showing the, the the positives. I know people who have taken expensive vacations and are asking about bankruptcy attorneys. And, you know, <laughs> it, it just uh, you, we, you yeah, just we've had that. We've yeah, had that. I, I mean, and I think that if you're a new like an, an entrepreneur, you just have to remember, like, like yes, there are success stories. Uh, the beauty in dentistry is that there are way more success stories there are. than there are failures. It's so true. But you, it is a dangerous road to start comparing yourself, especially on the the small thing, the individual things. Well, why did they get that in? And I, why is he driving a Lexus and I still have my Kia? Like, like 
there are there are these comparisons that happen, and I think they're very dangerous. Uh, we hear that all the time. We've even had partners and partnerships that said, well, why is he paying less tax than me? Right. His wife has a completely different job. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, There's and, no comparison. Yeah. And sometimes I, I would like to think they know this somewhere in the back of their head. They just they just want someone else to. I'm not crazy. Right. <laughs> and, and, but but we see it all the time. We, we see this all the time where people come back and they're second guessing like, you know, this isn't working out. I'm like, you know what? Actually, it is working out. It's working out just like your friend's practices. They're just not telling you this is how it works. So, yeah. well, I think advice. like you said, they, they do overstate their successes and they yeah. tend to not mention the failures, yeah. you know, the tough things. True. So, Joe, you mentioned earlier that a lot of times clients get emotional with their decisions. And is that something that is that can possibly be detrimental in their initial stages or the long run yeah you you know emotions are fine right like the desire to own a practice or to get into a partnership or, or whatever that is at least on some part an emotional decision you have these ideas about where where you're going to be 5 years from now or 20 years from now so it's not wrong to have emotions tied with with this process. I think that what we witness and and what trips people up is when those emotions start to block reason. And and so for instance, we'll have people who want to buy a practice and maybe they have shopped around for the last year or two or three and haven't really found what what they're looking for. And something shows up that's pretty close to what they want, but it's wildly overpriced. And that's, I mean, we're dealing with this a lot in this market at the moment, but it may not make sense. And you may have people telling you that's not a great idea. You may put, you may jeopardize your ability to cash flow if you, if you pick this practice up at this price. And if that's not consistent, that decision is not consistent where you thought you were going to be at this point in your career then you may say, well, I'll make it work. I, I, I can do it. And we see people make a lot of compromised decisions based on what they think they can get done or what they hope they can get done without saying, all right, let me pay attention to some really obvious issues here. And so and, and, you know, what happens is, and it's not just that, it's, it's, I think fear is used a lot. A lot of times we'll see like practice brokers, for instance, and, and I'm not even knocking practice brokers. This is just how, how you do it. But they'll say, hey, I've got three other people who are looking at this practice. Which in this environment is probably uh, true. Right. And, and that's what I tell clients. Right. I'm like, it, it, like two years ago, maybe that wasn't true. Today, it it's is really, they might be under, they may have forgotten about somebody that is also <laughs> interested. And you don't know. But the point of saying that is to in, just spike a little Absolutely. bit of fear. Right. And, it, and it starts clogging up your, your mental processes. And, and I think that's what you have to, like, you have to be aware that there might be competition for the practice. But if you're, if you're advancing the ball before you're doing the things you know you're supposed to do, then that's where emotions have have interrupted your your thought process. 
Yeah, I think it's clouding their judgment sometimes. Yeah. Right. If I don't if I don't take it, someone else is going to get it. Right. Okay, but you're going to end up in bankruptcy if you take it because right. it doesn't cash flow. Right. Well, especially in this environment, we're seeing a lot of that because prices are not the, up. Not the bankruptcy part. No, not the bankruptcy. <laughs> yes. okay. no. Just clarifying. But a, a lot of the people are are feel like they need to settle because it's taking them longer than they anticipated to find something, so they're settling for something they don't really want. Right. You know, we're seeing that a lot. Yeah, and, and so what ends up happening in a situation like that, and we see this all the time, what they're saying is I'm going to take a lesser product you know, and I'm going to work twice as hard to get it to where I want it. Instead of buying the practice I want, I'm going to work to make it the practice I want, which I'm not saying is even wrong. But then if you compound it with overpaying for the practice you didn't want, then, then where are you? You're probably unhappy is yeah. where you are. <laughs> right. it, it leads to a lot of frustration. And then you turn around, why did people let me make this bad decision? And and I've heard that. Why didn't anybody stop me? <laughs> you know, what are what are people supposed to do? And so I've, I've literally heard people like like after they've made these bad decisions, like why why didn't anybody stop me? I mean people tried to, but ultimately you're an adult. And, and you signed the document. Yeah, you're yeah. the one who put, spilled blood onto the promissory note. So there you go. Anyway, I, I think what people need to realize is that so many entry points for emotion exist along this path. And you just have to be aware of them. So And, and how to separate fact from fear and, and emotion. So And I guess also be open to advice from others. Yeah. And I think that goes to the last point that, that I had was – I think I I would add this is going to sound so self-serving. Uh, we understand. Right? <laughs> but but people should trust their advisors. There are people who have been doing professionally what they do longer than some of our clients have been alive. And it, 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 listen, I love entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur myself, you right? Are. So I love entrepreneurship and I love entrepreneurs. And the thing or one of the things I love most about them is they have great ideas. They've got big ideas. And when they come into this industry, I think that the hardest, the most difficult thing to convey is there are very, very few novel ideas. And, you know, most have been have been thought in all the time. You know, I've at least once a year, somebody comes to me and says, I've got a great business idea. This is what I want to do. And we say, yeah, I've heard of that. And they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, not only have I heard of it, we have three different clients <laughs> in two different time zones who are doing the exact same business model. And like, oh, I did all this research. I'm like, I know. It's not like they're going to get out there and be terribly public if it's if it's not that common. But I think where this comes up the most, though, is stuff like negotiating uh, a practice purchase or a lease or, or things like that, where you, our clients, they, they come up with uh, ideas, oh, we should tell the, the broker this. Like, the broker already knows that. Like, that's a thing that every single broker knows and does that every single time. And, and that doesn't mean that the client should not have these ideas. It just means you got you to trust your advisors. Like I said, most of, not most, but uh, a lot of these professionals have been doing this a long Just time for a very long time, yeah. and uh, yeah, and, and and so rely on that, which kind of goes back to my other point, right? So, if 
what, why are you going to trust the 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 tax? Since you, you know you brought up the tax one, why are you going to ask that question when, when your CPA is filing what hundreds of of tax returns a year? Thousands, thousands, yeah, like. <laughs> Like it, it should cross your mind that the. I mean, that's why you hire. That's why you spend money on these professionals. Is because they've been there and they've done that, and not just one. It's not, hey, I've been there. Let me show you how it's done. It's, I've been there 150 times this year. This year alone, over the past 12 years. Let me help you. I, you know, I think I can be of value, and I, and I think that's the, you know, that's that's one of the things I would try to emphasize the most. Don't because there's a there's a there's a mentality where where you're trying to tell your professionals exactly what how they should do their job. And that's really presumptuous. Right. Like, hey, these people have a ton of information. Soak it up. Ask questions. It goes back to, I guess, the first thing. Start asking questions. Call up that CPA and start start asking things, even if you don't think you need that yet. Like start calling the broker, start calling whoever else in the, the bankers. Hey, banker, what do I need to do to be a good candidate? Is there something I can start on this year, even if I'm not going to buy a practice for another two years? There are tons of questions uh, to ask, and there's a ton of great resources. Use them, rely on them. So Super. Appreciate it. Right. Great advice. I hope the listeners take it to heart. The good ones will, <laughs> as always. And, and we find really that the the clients that come to us that are seeking our advice, that are seeking outside ad- advisors, professionals that have been there, they're really ultimately the ones that are the most successful. It's the ones that kind of think they know it, yeah. that they've learned it all from their friends. They don't really need us. And not to sound arrogant at all, but they close themselves off to seeing problems that are coming or seeing new opportunities that are coming because they think they know already. Right. It's the ones that seek the advice that are willing to take the advice that ultimately years down the road will end up more successful than the other. Keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. uh, sorry, just to, to go back. I mean, that brings up a point because we see that fairly regularly where people come to us and say, hey, this is what I, I think a par- partnership concept this is how we want to do our partnership. And we say, man, like five times a year, everybody, people have that idea. And this is what happens when we've seen that in the past. And you have clients who are like, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. And, and they're the boss. So you know, we're going to sure. educate them. These are the potential issues. And they're going to say, that's what we're going to do. But then you have the other clients who are like, oh, I didn't, I, I thought, I thought I was the only one who thought of that. Right. But that's a really good point. Right. Let's talk about that. And and yeah, let's not make the same mistake that everyone else is making. And to me, that makes sense, but it doesn't it doesn't make sense to everybody and which is just curious to me, but I think you're right. The people who are doesn't mean you don't have desires and you don't have goals and you don't have a way that you want to get there, but as you're going, keeping an open mind is so useful. It is. Absolutely. So all our listeners, if you want to get in touch with Joe here, his content information is? The easiest way to reach me is my email. It's jmcgregor at mcgregorfirm.com. And we'll have it in the show notes as well. Of course. And you guys always have great questions for us. And if there are any other questions that you want to ask us, you can reach us at info at eandassociates.com. It's a pleasure having you here, Joe. Yes, thank you so much. It was great information. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks, Joe. 
for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.